Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. We trust that you guys are doing well. A big welcome to those watching online, and uh, we trust that you're enjoying uh, at home having a cup of coffee or whatever it is you're doing at home. And um, we've we've uh, a lot of people away. We've had a lot of people camping. We've just gone back from family camp, and we got wet, and we're everyone's still drying themselves out. But it was a fantastic trip, and we've got a lot of people who are still away on camp and, and holidays. So enjoying the season of break, and I trust that you guys can enjoy a season of break. Uh, we, we do love camps in this church. We love doing things together. And one of the reasons why we really like doing things together is that strong communities is a perfect foundation for discipleship. It's that relationship together and the relationship with God that really encourages us to grow in our faith. And for whatever reason, God chooses to use community to forge his people, to grow and develop his people. So community is important. So we do a lot of doing that encourages community. So if you haven't been or involved in, in various things, there's lots of things you can do to be and get involved in community. Um, if it's up your alley, uh, next Saturday we're doing a gel blast battle. So if you're into uh, gel blasters and uh, that's your thing, then let me know afterwards. But it's, we really want to encourage people to get involved in all the things. We've got a kayak trip coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got a young adults camp. There's lots of things that are happening. So I really enjoy our community and something special we have. There's a, uh, a Westminster Confession, which is this collection of, th- of theological statements. And it's a declarations, and it uh, beautifully summarizes and brings, brings to life uh, the foundations of our Christian faith. And part of the Westminster Confession is this beautiful fa- phrase, and it says uh, that basically the purpose of, of humanity, the purpose of life, if you want to know, if you want to write this down, a purpose of life, it's a beautiful way of saying it. He says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. How good is that? To enjoy God and, and to worship him. And that's such a beautiful picture. And I trust that today that you would discover and you would start a journey, if you haven't been on a journey, of enjoying him forever. But this, this idea of enjoying God is about intimacy, And inside strong communities, we have intimacy. Inside strong marriages, you have intimacy. This is the idea of close connection. And uh, we'd all agree with that, right? We'd all agree it's good to have good friends, good friendship circles, and intimacy is a great thing. But the problem is, is that sometimes inside the context of intimacy and relationships, things get in the way, don't they? Like in your relationships with people, things get in the way. Things come up and they, they come in between you and your significant other. Uh, some of the things that come in between my relationship with my wife uh, is a job, having to work. I mean, what a bummer that is, having to work, you know. Unfortunately, we all have to do that. Um, what about the dishes? I mean, that's, that's the worst. You know, I'd love to be spending time with my wife and say, I've got to do the dishes. And the bad thing about dishes is they're never done. You know, you, with three kids, you do them and it's like a progression. It just continually, uh, wet, dirty dishes keep appearing, which is quite amazing, really. Uh, housework, friends. But I think one of the, one of the big dis- 
things that gets in the way with intimacy, and this sounds really bad, I love my kids, but as my kids get in the way, um, sometimes I'll be having an adult conversation with my wife, and my kids just appear magically. They just want to be in the middle. Fear of missing out is strong in our household. FOMO much. And uh, so they can get in the way, and it's like, well, well I love my kids. And, but uh, sometimes there's things that crop up. And there's, uh, sometimes things crop up in our relationship with God. And it's, sometimes it's, it's, it's good, well-meaning things. Like, my kids are, are wonderful. I love them. They're not bad, but they can get in the way of a relationship. And I see a lot of marriages that focus on the kids, and you lose that sense of intimacy with your significant other. See, marriage is this beautiful picture of continually choosing your spouse. You know, we, we do that on the wedding day. We say, I choose you. Um, I was going to say, I choose you, Pikachu, but that's so bringing back my childhood days. Um, but I choose you, and I'm going to keep choosing you. And this is the idea of intimacy, uh, of continually choosing the, someone. Now, we have an enemy who's a roaring, prowling lion who doesn't want us being in close relationship with God. Because when we're walking with God, we're experiencing freedom for, from God, we're enjoying Him, we're living a life of purpose and hope. Regardless of our circumstances, we start to enjoy him. Even if we lose everything, we can enjoy him, which is a radical concept. But we've got an enemy who doesn't want us to pursue God. He doesn't want us to know God. But uh, Jesus has promised that if we, if, we, if we knock, we will find. The door will be open to us. If we seek, we'll find. And this idea of continually seeking after God. And I trust that today and during the week and during this year, that as we look at revival, as we look at as a church coming to know God's plan and taking hold of God's plan for our lives, that we would seek after God. Because, look, to be honest, there's enough intellectual leadership manuals and designs that we could actually make our church really big according to man's plans. But we don't want to, we want to be faithful to what God's plans are. Uh, so we need to seek after him because it's all about him. It's about glorifying him and enjoying him forever. But there's the biggest problem is, is yeah, we do have an enemy that doesn't, wants to get in the way. But I, I believe the biggest problem we have with intimacy with God is ourselves. And you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah, it's you. Um, it's, we're very good at blaming other people. I'm so busy or other things. And, but ultimately, it's us. You know, it's, it's our pride that gets in the way of intimacy with others and with God. I'll give you an example. Uh, have you got someone in your, in your life group or in your family or in your home or a friend who um, likes to talk a lot about themselves? Yeah, we were all nodding away. Yes, maybe it's someone poking you saying, that's you. Um, but then we've got people in our lives that like to talk a lot about themselves. Now, what does that do? Are, are you close with that person? Not really. And so so when, when pride takes hold of someone's life, it's actually hard for people to come to know them, to get to know them, because they, there's so much information and people like to sort of pull back. So pride takes hold. Pride, pride can be a really big problem. Pride, the biggest problem about pride is that it masks all other problems. So pride will mask all the things that I'm struggling with. It'll mask all the, all the sins that, that God wants to deal with in my life. My pride's like, it's not really that bad. Check out that guy. His sins are way worse. But pride, pride is that thing that it's a filter that sort of I stop seeing what God is wanting to do in my life and through my life. So pride is a big deal. 
And I want us to take hold of that as a church this morning, is that pride is a significant problem. But we've got a God who loves us enough to confront pride in our lives, and that's a good thing. See, God wants to grow us closer to himself. He wants to restore us. He wants to, for us to discover his purpose, his plan, and his hope for our lives. But he's wanting to deal with pride so that we could see our need for him. See, God wants us to be dependent on him. But pride's like, no, I've got this. I can, I can do this myself. I can, I can live my life without God, and I'm, I'm going to come to God for a rescue package but I can do this on my own. And God's like, no, that's pride talking. The reality is God wants to be our source of life, our source of love, that we keep going to him, not just when things are bad, but when things are good, that we have an intimacy and that we enjoy him. You enjoy someone in the good times, right? It's not just when things go pear-shaped. You're like, oh, I need you. But let's enjoy God as a community. I love, I love our community because there's a lot of joy. And I love seeing people who are happy and who enjoy community, enjoy spending time with God. But God deals with our pride in two ways. And it's this idea of humility. God takes us down a path of humility. And I'll turn my doobie whacker on. I'm sure it's got an official name, but it's a doobie whacker's good. All right, so uh, God deals with our pride in one of two ways. And um, you might have seen some usually violent film that they usually talk about, you know, some cop arresting someone or interrogator or someone, a detective saying, you can, you can come with me the easy way or you can come with me the hard way. Um, what, you apply that context to whatever film you're, you're watching currently. And, uh, but it is it's his choice. It's like God is not a... Um, evil cop, and I'm not saying cops are evil, but he's not a bad cop uh, trying to say, hey, I'm going to force you. But he does give us the option, when, when we accept him as our Lord and King, he does give us the option of going the easy way or going the hard way with our pride. And you're like, what do you mean, Sam? Great question. Hold that thought. We're going to read Second Chronicles 7 verse 11 and we'll answer that question. The hard way. We're going to start with the hard way because Uh, How does God deal with our pride the hard way? All right, let's read together. Can you read that? Cool. You're going to have to trust me if you can't. Uh, 2 Chronicles 7.11. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Verse 13, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or to send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Such a powerful, powerful verse. Verse 15, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. 
And this is written, this passage was written to the Jewish people, it was written to the people who believe in God. And uh, in the same way, we can take hold of this passage and apply it as believers, as people who have accepted Jesus. And I trust that today that you, you have accepted, or by the end of today, you'd want to accept Jesus as your Lord. But uh, by having Jesus as your Lord and King, you're giving him permission to pursue you. You're giving God permission to seek you out and to deal with the things in your life that are robbing you of intimacy. When I say, yes, I accept you as my Lord and King, when I say that and when I live it out and when I, li- and, and I, I mean it, I'm giving God permission to deal with the things that are stopping me from enjoying him. And the biggest thing is pride. So God loves us enough to bring us back to him, whatever it takes. And it's some, some pretty profound, some pretty blunt language there. When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among, among my people. It's, sometimes there's this space that God will take us down of barrenness, of, of, of losing things that are getting in the way of our relationship with God. That's because God's ultimate goal is for us to know him more. And sometimes the things around us get in the way of that. And so that's the hard way. The hard way is God's like, I'm going to deal with the things that are coming between you. Sometimes it's things, sometimes it's your pride, sometimes it's, it's people, sometimes it's fixating on a problem. God's like, hey, I, I want to deal with this because I want you to enjoy me. And we can't enjoy God if our eyes and of our heart are not on him. So God is warning because he loves us so much. Often the journey of desperation arrives at a place of dependence. And sometimes God will take us on a journey, and it's a hard journey. No one, no one wants to go, selfish Sam does not want to lose all my things to discover dependence on God. Yet God in his love, his plan is greater and better than mine. Sometimes God will take me on this pathway. Sometimes God takes us, goes to radical lengths to get his people's attention. You're like, oh, that's just one verse. Maybe there's no other verses in the Bible. I don't really like that verse because it's kind of raw and it's hard to hear. Um, what about King Neb? Let's look at Nebi. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he conquered a Babylonian. Uh, he was his king of Babylon, and they conquered Israel and they brought them back and, uh, out of Israel. So they captured the people of Israel. And uh, Daniel had this, uh, the king had this dream that he was, um, this animal was um, going to eat grass for seven years. And Daniel interpreted his dream for us. It's really cool if you've got time, read Daniel 4, the whole chapter. And uh, after seven years that uh, God would, would restore him. And this is uh, King Nebi, King Neb's uh, own words um, of his time of God confronting his pride. All right. At the end of the seven-year time periods, or seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my mind came back to me. I thanked the Most High and I praised and honoured the one who lives forever because his power lasts forever and his kingdom lasts from one generation to the next. So King Neb had lost his mind and he's had this vision and Daniel's predicted it and said, hey, you're going to lose your mind and go a little bit crazy. And uh, after seven years, you're going to come back. And, and so Nebuchadnezzar is saying, hey, this, this happened. And then he goes on in verse 35. Everyone who lives on earth is nothing compared to him. He does whatever he wishes with the army of heaven and those who live on earth. There is no one can oppose him or ask, what are you doing? 
Just then my mind came back to me. My royal honour and glory were also given back to me. My advisers and nobles wanted to meet with me again. I was given back my kingdom. And I love this last part. This is not exactly humility, but... And made extraordinarily great. Now I, Nebi, will will praise, honour and give glory to the king of heaven. Everything he does is true. His ways are right and he can humiliate those who act arrogantly. This is a pagan king who had extreme influence over God's people. And so God was dealing with his pride. And his, he was persuading the people of Israel to worship him and not God. And God dealt with him in an incredible way. And God often humbles us and takes us to a place of desperation to have a revelation of our need for him. See, if what stops us from realising how much we need God is our pride. Because when you say, hey, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and King, that's a kind of an easy one-off throwaway statement. But when we understand it, what that actually means is, I need you, God, daily. And when we understand that we need him daily, it becomes easy to realise and to pick up the Bible daily. If I need God daily, I want to spend time with him daily. It's all connected. But pride will get in the way of you realising your need for him. Sometimes God takes us through a season of barrenness and stripping back what we have to give us clarity, to give us a revelation of him. So that's the, that's the hard way. You know, who's up for the hard way? Any takers? Well, the good news is that you don't have to choose the hard way. Uh, the, good way the good news is that there is an easy way. Uh, work uh, ha- smarter, not harder. I nearly got that wrong. The hard way or the easy way? In 1 Peter 5, uh, Peter says this in the New Testament. He says, Young people, in a similar way, place yourselves under the authority of spiritual leaders. Furthermore, all of you must serve each other with humility because God opposes the arrogant but favours the humble. Or he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And it's a beautiful picture of God actively working against pride. See, sometimes we're like, you know, God just does just blesses. That's all he does. Well, God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. Sometimes God will take you out of your comfort so he can deal with your character and he can grow you and develop you to be more like him. And so you can ultimately enjoy him more. We are called to humble ourselves. Here's the thing. Humility doesn't just happen. It's not just something that grows. It's not like just money grows on trees. It doesn't happen. Humility doesn't just grow. Humility is an act of the will. You choose it. You choose humility. You choose to humble yourselves. That's the easy way. God will will confront the things in your life. That's the hard way. But the easy way is choose humility. So I want to encourage us, be smart, church. Choose humility. Humility is not a fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Did I miss any? There's nine. Cool. Um, Sunday school paid off. So there's nine there, but guess what? Humility's not there, because humility is not something the Holy Spirit does in your life. Humility is something you choose as an attitude in your life, as an act of the will. It's like, I choose to be humble. I choose to, to listen to God. And sometimes humility is... 
I'm going to come and be involved with God's people even though sometimes they're really hard. I'm going to commit to a group of people and journey with them and discover God in and through their lives even though sometimes they smell funny. You know, this is humility, is accepting God's will and God's agenda in your life. Not necessarily what's easy, what's comfortable, what we like. We're called to humble ourselves and we need to choose it. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take every thought captive so that it is obedient to Christ. We choose our thoughts. We choose where our mind dwells and we choose our response to God's correction sometimes. Sometimes God is confronting areas in our lives. Our choice is we can harden our hearts or we can choose to respond in repentance and, and submission to God as our Lord and King. So how do we choose humility and what does humility look like? Good question, Sam. Glad you asked. Philippians 2 verse 3 has a beautiful answer for that. This is what humility typified looks like. This is what it is. It's a beautiful picture. Don't act out of selfish ambition or be conceited. Instead, so these are all choices. These are things you actively choose to do. Humbly think of yourselves as being better. Humbly think of others as being better than yourselves. Don't be concerned only about your own interests, but also be concerned about the interests of others. Think less about yourself, not less of yourself, just less about yourself. Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Although he was in the form of God and equal with God, he did not take advantage of this equality. Instead, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, by becoming like other humans, by having a human appearance. This is beautiful, verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. This is Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. This is the one we model our life after. He chose to humble himself. He didn't need to. He, he was the king. He created the universe. He spoke everything into existence. And he chose to humble himself. How much more do we, his creation, need to continually choose to humble ourselves and to have an attitude of humble humility, humbleness, humility. Uh, this is why, verse 9, this is why God has given him an exceptional honour the honour above all other names, so that the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven and on earth and in the world below will kneel and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this is beautiful. This is, this is humility is such a good thing. Now, we, we think of humility as a good thing in our society. Like, we, 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 we look at people who are incredibly arrogant and we're like, oh, that's a bad thing. But do you know humility wasn't always a good thing? Before Jesus came to, to, to earth, humility, being humbled, was a bad thing. You know, being humbled meant that you were defeated, that you'd been broken, that you'd been conquered. And Jesus came, he's like, hey, this is what humility, this is what leadership looks like. I have the privilege of taking our young, uh, big, big Arvo grey shirts leaders through a leadership program where we look at Jesus as the humble leader. Humility. I mean, there's a, secular studies have talked about the level five leader. The highest level leader you can get is a humble leader. It's the ultimate leadership quality. And just Jesus redefines, he redefines leadership and he changes the world with humility. So humility is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing and it's something we need to continually choose to take hold of in our lives. 
Now, to relate to God fully, we need to become like him in a sense that if, we're, if our pride is too big, it's going to come between us. But as we humble ourselves, we discover an intimacy with him. Have you ever said sorry to someone for something you've done, and then after that, you're really, really close? Like, it, that happens time and time and time and time and time again in my life, because I make a lot of mistakes, but often pride stops me from humbling myself, because with humility, there's vulnerability. And sometimes we're really scared of that vulnerability, because so, we're so insecure. But as we discover who we are in Christ, we have the security to know that God loves me regardless of what I do. I can't lose his love. And that's a fantastic foundation to be vulnerable. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful place to be able to be vulnerable, to be, to be humble. Humility holds open the floodgates of connection with God. And the enemy will do everything in his power to grow your pride. Sometimes getting that promotion might not be the best thing for you. It's an interesting thought when we look at in our human society, we're like trying to climb on top of each other to get to the top. And Jesus is like, I want you to choose humility. Like, oh, it's a hard one. Can we choose option C? Isn't there something else? God's like, I want you to choose humility because as you choose humility, you're choosing me. You're choosing to allow me to work in your life. See, pride will stop God working through your life quicker than anything else you can do. Pride stops God working through you. You stop seeing him at work in your life. But as we walk in humility, we start to see our need for him. And it's a beautiful thing. We start to enjoy him when our pride is under control. You're like, yeah, that's great, Sam. Be less proud, be more humble. That's a takeaway from today. But what does it actually mean, practically, to humble ourselves? Uh, look, this is, a, this is really, really key, because I want us to not just have this, you know, this virtuous message of, like, be better. Like, I don't want us to, to come away from today. Just, just try, to, try a little bit harder, church, to be better, be more humble. No, uh, this is, this is what it is. Humility, we need to humble ourselves, we need to choose it. We need to be honest. Acknowledging our need and dependence for him. We need to admit we need God. Like that's, a continu- that's a daily thing. I need you today, God. And I'm going to show you that I need you by spending time with you, by praying, by engaging my mind and my heart with you. I need you, God. Because that's our true space. Pride will camouflage, will hide our need for him. Saying sorry is really, really hard. When's the last time you said sorry to someone? Maybe it's your significant other. Because if we're not in the habit of saying sorry, it's going to limit our connection to people. Saying sorry makes us vulnerable. That can be a really scary thing. My, my next-door neighbour, I hope they're not here, um, my next-door neighbour, lovely people, but I haven't been the best neighbour I, I tried digging out a tree root, and then I couldn't do that, so I started burning it out. And um, it was right next to their house, and I had huge plumes of smoke, and I wasn't the best neighbor, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, we've got asthma, we're, you know, not good. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, but it's not been just one time, it's been a few times. And I'm like, ah, oh, I'm a really bad neighbor. So hopefully no one here wants to be a neighbor with me. I've got a dog that sometimes barks too much. And it was about two weeks ago, God just really put on my heart and said, Sam, you need to actually deal with that. And so I wrote a letter and I just apologised. I said, sorry for being a really bad neighbour. 
And you know they rang, and, they, and it just changed everything. I was thinking, oh, I'm being vulnerable here. I'm going to you know, put myself out there, and things are going to get worse. But humility restores relationship. And they, there was an openness there. They were like, hey, not best buds yet, and we're working towards that. But humility restores engagement, restores connection, restores relationship. Maybe you've been having a bit of dispute with someone in your family or relatives or friend, and God's like, hey, you're going to need to be vulnerable here. Choose humility and apologize. Even if you could justify a thousand times why they are wrong, choose humility. Because relationship is more important than being right. Relationship with God is more important than us being justifying ourselves and our attitudes and the sin that we so easily entangle us. So choose humility. Pride, here's the thing that, that you know, most of us don't see pride. And I, and I mean that, like if I was to say, do you have a pride issue? You'd be like, oh, it's just a small bit. All right, let me ask a question. Uh, does anyone here struggle with public speaking? Yes, everyone put your head up, you know, you don't have to, it's right, I don't want to embarrass you, because uh, that would be your pride taking hold. Um, but it is, it's, it's, public speaking is like, I care too much what you think. I don't have problem talking to my dog, I don't care what he thinks. But public speaking, I'm like, ah, I'm scared. It's something we all struggle with, we, we care so much what other people. Being, being really, really... Reflective and oh, the word I'm looking for here, I wrote it down because I like I struggle with this one. Um, but being self-conscious, that's pride. Does anyone struggle being self-conscious about the way you look, the way you sound, the way you snore? There's a thousand things we can be self-conscious about. That's pride. But we don't often think about that. We look at the person up the front and say, look, they look, they're too confident. They've got pride issues. Well, yeah, maybe. But what pride issues do you have? In your life? Are you obsessing in the mirror about something? Isn't it pride? Are you overfixating on things? Pride can, be, can manifest itself in so many different ways. And it comes between us and God, it becomes between us and people. So choose humility. Some people don't step into ministry for fear of failure. I could never do that, or my past is, means I can't. I've been disqualified because I'm whatever. Sometimes pride justifies us not being obedient to God. Sometimes it's, I, I don't want to be seen as a Christian. I don't want to, you know, I'll sneak into church and I'll leave early, or I'll, uh, I don't want people to, at work to know I'm a Christian because I'm, a, I'm ashamed of a couple of people in America or somewhere who might have been doing something. Really? Sometimes pride needs to be dealt with for us to be obedient and for God to work through us. But I'll tell you this, I'll be really vulnerable here. My pride issue is this, is my pride issue is that I exaggerate. And I used to justify it. I used to say, oh, you know, it's just me being overly optimistic. Well, maybe. But it's pride because I want things to appear better than they really are because I care more about what people think than what God thinks. That's pride. So what is it, what is it to take hold of and speak truth and to live and love in a way that God, it brings God glory, that I can enjoy him? Because I tell you now, when I'm proud, I'm not enjoying God. 
When I'm proud, I'm missing out of that fullness of life that he is wanting to bring. Pride stops us from being dependent on him and realising our need for his life. But it makes us vulnerable. Are we willing to be vulnerable in your life group? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Maybe your life group has been staying at a level of just, you know, fairly shallow conversation because there's this fear of being vulnerable, there's a fear of being exposing where you're really at. I guarantee when you start opening the, the gates of vulnerability in your life group, you bring intimacy like you've never seen. Sometimes we're like, oh, we've got to you know, build this trust before I can be vulnerable. Yeah, that's probably your t- pride talking. There's probably a thousand things that are, your pride's like, hey, you know, don't be that, don't be vulnerable, don't be humble. You don't need to say sorry for that. You don't need to repent. But choose humility because God wants to work in your life. He wants you to be a conduit of him at work. Choose humility. It's an act of the will. Unlike a cop, God is a good, he is good. He wants the best for us. He's, he's, he, sometimes he'll take us down the hard way because we don't choose the easy way. But church, choose the easy way because it's the best way. Wisdom is this. Choose to humble ourselves. In uh, Revelation, there's a beautiful picture. And I'm going to read it in 21. This is a, new, a beautiful picture of restored relationship. This is what we're aiming for. And as we, we immerse ourselves in God, we, we start to take hold of this and see this come into fruition in our lives. Not fully, not yet. I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and earth had disappeared and the sea was gone. Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, dressed like a bride ready for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, God lives with humans. God will make his home with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There won't be any more death. There won't be any more grief, crying or pain because the first things have disappeared. Dressed like a bride ready for her husband. There's a sense of intimacy with us and what God has for us. Relationships restored, no pain, no tears or crying. That is a world that God is wanting. That is his kingdom being birthed into humanity that he wants us to take hold of. But pride prevents us from taking hold of what he is wanting to do in and through our lives. But this is a beautiful picture of commitment. You know, a bride and a groom, they choose, they commit to each other. But for many people, that commitment, they stop choosing each other. They stop choosing to humble themselves and to walk in humility of their spouse and they start warring with each other. God doesn't want us to war with him. He wants us to choose humility and accept and daily accept him as our Lord and King. It doesn't mean we need to do a sinner's prayer every day, but it means that we need to walk with an attitude of submission for him and desire and seek him out. Because if we seek him, we will find him. If we knock, the door will be opened. And we're talking intimacy here. God wants us to know him in that intimate way. So choose humility, choose dependence, and let's work as a church and discover how much we need desperately God in our lives. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that as we've reflected on some some issues that might be relevant for us, some issues of our own pride that 
that you are wanting to, to deal with. Lord, I pray that we would choose humility and that in that humility we would recognize and discover our need for you. Lord, would we know in a new way, would you give us a revelation of our need for dependency on you? We are never designed to do this life on our own. We are never designed to do this isolated from you. But Lord, you had always intended for us to, to rely on you, to know you, to enjoy you forever. Uh, Lord, would you deal with our pride today and tomorrow and the next day? Would you highlight the people in our lives that we need to forgive, that we need to seek forgiveness, that we need to repent for the things done? Lord, would, you, you would, would your people be a humble people who continually seek you out? Lord, you are such a good and faithful God. Lord, we don't deserve you. We don't deserve your grace, but you give it freely as a gift. Lord, you are so much more than just an idea. You're a friend, you're a lover, and you desire us to know you intimately. Would you be with us today? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks, Sam. Let's stand together.